Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, coming to you live from the Man Cave and super excited about finals footy this weekend. So, Junior Rugby League finals on Sunday. I've seen a lot on social media buttes about the grand finals being played on Sunday and also... We've got a blockbuster tomorrow. It's being played on the peninsula. Mm. But Tookley, what a season they've had. And they take on Wyong. So a local derby being played on the peninsula. The winner will meet Dane Allen's Erin Eagles. They're through to the grand final. They've got a chance to win a first grand final since 1991. How incredible is that? And Dane Allen joining us a little later in the show. Uh, look, you know what, Steve? I love this time of year. The sun's shining. It's September or close enough to September. It's that smell of finals, which is in the air, and I just absolutely love it. We've got two rounds of the NRL left. The AFL have finished their rounds. They've got a week off this week, and they're hitting the final series. We'll talk to Luffy about that in the second hour, but there is so much going on, and I just love it, um, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, Corey Shackleton coming on as well. So Kalani Vale Bombers, they've won the minor premiership for the first time since 1998. That was a premiership year for the Bombers, so... Corey Shackleton, his side will take on Terrigal Evoca Panthers. Mm. Wow, they've been a juggernaut over the last decade. So it's an all-Central Coast major semi-final with a winner through to the grand final. And, and then, of course, Steve, we've got Ella Bear who uh, took out second place at the World Championships. What a f- performance that was. I'm really looking forward to hear uh, how they manage it to achieve what they did. Yeah, well, it's another young lady rolling off the assembly line at Avoca Kayak Club. And we've had uh, some world champions, some Olympians from the Avoca Kayak Club and Ella Beer joining us a little later in the show. Butes, what about Thursday night footy? Your team has just jumped out of the blocks, the Parramatta Reels up against Brisbane. And, you know, no coincidence, they're playing great footy with Mitchell Moses back in the team after that broken finger. Yeah, it certainly helps to have him steering the ship around. He's... He's been out for a few weeks and it probably showed with the Eels that they just didn't have the direction they needed. And and now that he's back, he's guiding them. He's built up a good combination with Dylan Brown. And the Eels, I think, you know, the only concern for me, I think they need to finish in the top four because I don't think they've got four good games in them back-to-back. And if they finish outside that top four, they're going to struggle to be able to back up against these big sides. So you know my team's the Bulldogs, and I feel like one of the real unsung heroes, he's a premiership winner from 2004, was Shifty Sherwin. Now, the kicking game last week from Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses... Yeah. was as good as what I saw from Shifty Sherwin back in 04. I remember 04 and how good he was then. And, you know, there was two tries scored by Dylan Brown and they were both from kicks from Mitchell Moses. He's got that ability. You know, he's up there with uh, Matt Burton in terms of his kicking ability and what he can do and how he places the ball so well. Uh, and that's a big weapon that the uh, the Eels need to take advantage of. What about the cutout pass? Dylan Brown to Micah Sivo for a try and... Just beautiful to watch, and they blew the Bulldogs away. In fact, last weekend, so many blowouts. Maybe the darkest day in West Tigers history, one of your old clubs? Well, it's been a tough year for the West Tigers, and um, we just see, you know, 72 points to six at the SCG. It's the highest score ever uh, by a rugby league team conceded at the SCG. So that in itself, you know, you think about the history of the game and how many games have been played there. That's a dark, dark day for the West Tigers, and... They have got some serious work to do. And, and Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, Robbie Farrar, 
my goodness, they're going to have to put their head together and do a lot of work during the off-season. You know, Butes, it wasn't too long ago that you were down celebrating with the West Tigers because you played there in 2004 and they won the premiership in 05, of yep. course, up against the Cowboys. But have you spoken to any of the old boys about what unfolded on the weekend? Oh, mate, it's, you know, it's hard to talk about and hard to, to believe that a team can concede that many points, especially... You know, in the modern game, and how, and, how many players are facing? How many players are heading out the door? Oh, look, I think it's going to be a pretty decent clean out. You know, when I look at you know they've got Epi Corusau coming to the club, which is a huge plus for them, and uh, possibly Papalihi from Parramatta. Now, there's concerns about whether he will come or won't come. Is that the simple explanation? Is it just that players have clocked off? Oh, that I they haven't that. got a deal next year. I think so. You know, and it's really sad because you know ultimately you're a professional, and you you know. You forget about the money side of things. Ultimately, you got your pride, and that's the biggest thing you need to focus on. And for me, I saw some of those tries that were conceded. Um, it was horrible. It wasn't first grade standard, and you know you need to have a good hard look at yourself. They've got to really turn this around and, and try and get some sort of pride back um, into that club and into that jersey, and also into themselves. And I think that's going to be the hardest test for any coach. And you know, Brett Kamali's been thrown into the deep end. Uh, the end, back end of this season, but that's the biggest challenge for him and probably the greatest challenge he'll have as a coach. Hey, Butes, just on last week, can you ever remember so many blowouts in a round of the National Rugby League? So we have a 60-12 to 12 score line, the Storm up against the Broncos, and yeah, that comes off that comes off Melbourne Storm keeping Penrith to zero, then rolling up to Brisbane and just creaming the Broncos, yeah. who are really struggling at the moment. But then, yeah, we had a blowout between, as we just said, the, the Roosters and the West Tigers. Dragons, high-scoring affair against the Titans. Yep. But the Sea Eagles and Sharks, you'd think that's going to be close. It's on the Northern Beaches. And the Sharks, their record there has been appalling. They get the job done, 40 points to six. They do it easy. And, uh, you know, and they're looking really good. I like the Sharks and the way they're looking. Um, I think... Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon has done an amazing job. Nico Hines has obviously probably go down as the buy of the year for any club uh, in the NRL. And what he's managed to achieve there and what he's also done, I believe, to Matt Moylan and and, uh, made him feel so comfortable. And Matt can play, or Moylan can play his own game now. And, and, you know, you can just see the combinations they have. Um, I won't say they're as dangerous as... Uh, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, but I'll tell you what, they're, they're not far behind. I'll tell you the player in the competition, I just saw a replay a few moments ago, someone that deserves huge credit, and I think he's been played like a Viliami kick-out, and that's Sean Lane on that left edge for Parramatta. He has been dynamite. Yeah, he has been outstanding. You know, He's a big man, uh, and he's got the ability to offload. And when you've got that ability to do that, um, it, you know, it just adds so much to your game. And if players... And, you know, obviously the Parramatta players know what he can do. They sniff around looking for that opportunity. And, and, you know, if you can take advantage of that, which, you know, clearly the Eels have done over the last, well, you know, last couple of seasons since he's been there. But uh, he adds a lot of value. And, uh, you know, he's a, a, a long-ranging uh, back rower who, you know what, he can just perform when he needs it. Buttes, we want to talk about a few more games uh, this weekend. We'll do that shortly. One of them, of course, is the blockbuster. I think the Cowboys versus the Rabbitohs. That is huge. So tonight, 7.35. Bulldogs also play the Sharks. But the other big one, of course, is the first game this afternoon. Raiders with their season on the line up against the Manly Sea Eagles. But that one being played in the nation's capital. Yeah, that's we'll, a massive game. We'll go to a break here. We'll come back in a few moments. What's next, Buttes? 
you've got the rundown in front of you. Yeah, we're coming back with uh, Dane Allen from uh, the Aaron Eagles. Yeah, looking forward to it. We're going to talk some local rugby league. They are the first team through to the GF in 2022. The Aaron Eagles looking for their first premiership since 1991. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN and we're privileged to have Dane Allen join us, the minor premiership winning coach with the Erin Eagles. DA, good morning, mate. And firstly, congratulations on an incredible home and away season and also the major semi. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. It's, uh, it was a good year for the Eagles, mate. Um, first, seconds, thirds, fourths, all through to the major semis last weekend. Um, yeah, well, we've had a great year, mate. Really enjoyed ourselves. And um, hopefully a couple of weeks, yeah, get a couple of grand finals, mate. What have been some of the highlights through the home and away season? I know we had that period that was incredibly frustrating, but from your point of view, what are some of the standouts this year? Yeah, mate, we've uh, we've had a couple of games. Uh, yeah, we, ha- we were washed out quite a few times there, mate. But no, we've had a couple of really close games. Uh, two in particular against Tukley, mate, have really enjoyed those contests. And, uh, yeah, in terms of highlights, mate, they were great games to win for us. Real good confidence builders moving into semis. So, last week, you play Wyong in the big one to see who goes through to the grand final. And can you believe you've just blown them away, 38 points to eight. Did you Did you expect a closer contest? Uh, mate, I, I think it's the old cliche. Like the, the score didn't really represent how close the match was. There was probably a good 40-minute period there where we were only six points clear or something like that. So, mate, yeah, the score probably didn't do Wong justice there. But, mate, I was happy to – the second half, yeah, the last back end of the game, mate, I was pretty happy with the results. So, yeah, I slept a lot easier that night than I have previous weeks. Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, this whole thing was called off in 2021. So, you know, it must just be amazing to play some finals footy at long last. Most definitely, Steve. Yeah, it was really disappointing last year. Like, we were sail- sailing along quite well, and then obviously things went pear-shaped with COVID, etc. But, yeah, no, we're really happy with how we are now, and, and we enjoyed the challenge last week against Wyong. And, uh, yeah, two weeks' time, mate, we've got Tukley. Oh, Tukley or Wyong, mate, not sure yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming going to be Tukley. Yeah, a little later in the show, we'll talk with Corey Shackleton, the head coach of Kalani Val Bombers. Now, they won the minor premiership for the first time since 1998, that was also a premiership-winning year for them. How about you guys? When's the last time that you were minor premiers? I'm not sure about the minor premiership, Steve, but I know that it's been since 91, mate, since the last time the premiership trophy's been in Erina. So, um, yeah, mate, 30, 31 years to this year. So, mate, we're, uh, we're really keen to get it back there, mate. Yeah, yeah. Are you 31 yourself yet? <laughs> mate, I'm 38 now. <laughs> Either way, it's a long time between drinks. And that 91 side, uh, I, I, dare, I dare say they're legends of the footy club. Have some of them been around the group this year? Yeah, they have, mate. They have. We've actually got uh, young Tommy Anderson that plays in our footy side. His dad was, uh, was, a, was a player in that side, mate. So, yeah, he's quite often got a couple of the guys around the team, mate. And we've actually got a barbecue with them. Uh, next Thursday leading into the grand final weekend, mate, which would be a great occasion. Yeah, well, what are your plans between now and then? Like, were you, did you go and take a look at Tukley on the weekend against the Sharks? Uh, will you go and watch this weekend's game? Uh, I did, yeah. I went and had a look last weekend. And as for this weekend, mate, no, I probably I won't go. We've got a, um, I'll, I'll watch our thirds and seconds, mate, but we've, we've got our 17s in the grand final as well, mate. So I want to duck back to the stadium and, uh, and have the privilege of watching those young blokes run around. So, D.A., who at the footy club, apart from yourself, deserves credit? 
oh mate, there's a host of people I could I could be here all day naming the people, but Josh Lewis, our footy manager, uh, he's been unreal for us. He's been on board the same length of time as I have, and he's he's really supportive, mate. The entire board, they're a great bunch of blokes, mate, and nothing's uh, too big or too small when asked to help. Um, and then you've got I've got my assistant coach Scott Baxter, mate. He's unbelievable. Um, yeah, he gives me a lot of a lot of the answers. Sometimes I don't necessarily want to hear, mate, but that's what I need sometimes. And um, and then yeah, credit to our reserve grade coach Torrin Kane as well, uh, mate. He's been fantastic. It's probably a pretty thankless task at times coaching that team with players coming up and down, mate. But yeah, those are some of the people, mate, amongst our club that that, that keep it running and, and running successfully. So just back to your major semi, the star fullback was man of the match. Is that correct? And who else played well, <laughs> mate? Yeah, Lincoln Tuberty was. Uh, was man of the match, mate. He's been a standout for us for most of the season. Um, our, our other couple of good players in that game, mate. Benny Stevens was great for us up front. Uh, and I thought both our edge-back rollers were really dangerous at times. Jack Carlisle and Nate Dwyer. Um, yeah, seeing those guys progress as footballers this season has been fantastic, mate. And, and coming together at the right time is great. And you said to me a moment ago off the air, you feel like uh, maybe Lincoln could give the player of the year a shake. And he's won that award before. He has, mate. Yeah, he won it when he was at Berkeley Vale a few years ago now. Um, yeah, mate. I I think you know only see one team play each week, but mate, yeah, it's um yeah, he's been great for us this year, and I'd, uh, I'd I'd be very surprised if he's not very close to the money there. Yeah, well, he is absolute dynamite, isn't he? Just back to the Tukley Terrigal game. Were you surprised by that scoreline? I mean, it was another blowout in a weekend of blowouts at every level, uh, not just here but also in the National Rugby League. Forty-four to eighteen, and Tukley, they're a fantastic story, aren't they? They are, mate. Yeah, we're as you know, we're, we've had Jake and Connor O'Byrne and Matty Beacock and a few guys that are at yeah, Tukley Juniors. They've been at their inner over the last few years, mate. And it, was a, it was a pleasure to have those boys on board. They've gone back to where they, their roots are. And, mate, yeah, I wish those guys all the success, mate. It's been a brilliant story for them. But, yeah, hopefully it doesn't get too much better for them. DA, how many premierships have you won? Is it five or six? Mate, five. I've won, I've won the five in, in, um, in first grade, yeah, and lost two. So, yeah, seven total I've been in. But, yeah. So five, uh, five premierships, thankfully. Um, and then, yeah, I've got another another seven or so as a junior. But, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah pretty you... successful when I think about it in holistic terms, mate. But, yeah, no, five first-grade ones, mate. Oh, I can't believe you lost two. I thought you were perfect. So three <laughs> three at the Entrance yeah. Tigers and two at the Berkeley yeah. Vale Panthers? Three at the Entrance Tigers, two at Berkeley Vale, mate, yeah. Yeah. Well, what... Yeah. From your experience, your vast experience at getting the job done in September, what yep. will you be looking to pass on to your group? What will some of your final words be? My final words will be along the lines of the fact that don't let anyone tell you it's just another game. I think um, that's the biggest you know, load of rubbish because those two grand finals I've lost, I've, I've lost more sleep over than any other games, mate, and there's no coincidence there. I can tell you everything I did wrong in those games. Um, you know, these are the sorts of things. So it, it isn't just another game, Steve. It's a, it's the most important game that you'll play. So yeah, that's a, that'll be something I'll be telling my guys. Don't leave anything out on the park. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, don't die wondering, boys. Yeah, and you touched on it just a moment ago. But the Tukley Wyong game, how do you see that unfolding? I think Tukley will be too strong, mate. Just physically, they're a big dominant side, mate. And I think, um, I think that's where uh, that's where they'll get Wyong through that middle channel. I think, um, yeah. I think it'll be a close one, but I just think, yeah, too clear overpower him with that physicality. Yeah, that's a bit of a mouth-watering encounter, isn't it? Because it's the, the northern rivalry, the northern neighbours going at it on the peninsula. Well, that's right, Steve. Yeah, you sort of got that big brother, little brother feel to it up there. So, 
Um, yeah, I know Wong won't want to get knocked over by Tukli and obviously vice versa. But, yeah, I think Fitzy's doing a great job over there at Tukli, mate, and I can't see them getting done. Yeah, well, sit back in the banana lounge with uh, with a cocktail, mate. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, what's your demeanour like up there? Are you like a Craig Bellamy where you're kind of throwing water bottles and screaming into the mouthpiece? Or are you maybe a little bit more like, uh, you know, Wayne Bennett, um, <laughs> Premiership winner in 92, 93, 97, 98, 2000, 2006 and 2010, where you're just pretty chilled up there? Mate, I'm probably a mixture of both, to be honest with you. I'm, uh, I can get can get quite a quite a bit of uh, hot under the collar there, mate. But yeah, most of the time I'm pretty relaxed, mate. But yeah, definitely can um, depend on the decisions, mate, and how they're going. But yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm usually pretty relaxed. Yeah, once again, mate. Good luck to you and your team. Congratulations on the minor premiership, and uh, let's hope for your sake that you can get the job done for the first time since 1991. Thanks a lot, Steve. That is Dane Allen, head coach of the Erinner Eagles, the minor premiers in 2022, and they'll face the winner of either Tukli or the Wyong Roos, that game being played tomorrow at Woi Woi. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the coast on SEN, and we do it all thanks to our great mates at Robson Civil Projects. Grant Robson, the managing director, Greg Ferguson, the resources manager, Daniel Bosley, who plays off one in golf. Oh, wow. He is absolutely amazing. Chris Dixon, who's the marketing manager, and we send a shout out to all those guys celebrating their 60th anniversary. And also, McDonald Jones Homes. Start your dream home with McDonald Jones Homes. Buttes, we're going live to Brisbane. To Lightning Luke King, one of our great mates. Lightning, good morning, mate. Ahoy, ahoy, boys. Uh, good to, to be on the show. Uh, how, how are you guys? Hey, we're well. Congratulations, uh, first of all, for you at Queensland Raceway. Back on the podium. Well, mate, I've got uh, technically I've got two home circuits now because I, I live in Brizzy and, and obviously Ipswich, Queensland Raceway was a, a home track and uh, we had Sydney earlier uh, uh, the round before and that was a podium for us as well. So the, the two home circuits are uh, doing well for us. So this is the TCR Australia Series. For some Correct. of our listeners that might not have followed your career, What's amazing about this is you've actually changed teams. Yeah, mate, we've uh, done a bit of uh, Danny Rick, I suppose. Uh, we've jumped from from Audi to Hyundai, um, and uh, it's it's been good. We've gone from a quite a large organisation to to a very small single car team, and uh, yeah, reveling in uh, just working closely with the guys. And uh, Jason Bright came and engineered me at Queensland Raceway, and it was you know me and Brighty on the engineering team, and two really good guys in, in the garage working on the car. So we're probably the smallest crew in pit lane, but, um, yeah, easily one of the sharpest, which, uh, yeah, is, is super rewarding. So, uh, yeah, really cool this season. Well, the great man, the motorsport aficionado, Michael Butner, has got the next question. But Butner, oh. he, he's far too humble, isn't he? I mean, to change teams from Audi to Hyundai and keep getting the job done, keep finishing on the podium. Oh, it's phenomenal. Superb performance. Yeah, it certainly is. And, Luke, I just want to touch on, I've seen you on uh, Instagram, and you're doing a fair bit of work in the simulation car. Just tell me how real that is in relation to, you know, being out on the track. 
Yeah, well, we uh, well, actually, I should give a plug to our good sponsors, Track Racer, who have um, who have, have given us a sim this year. Um, so yeah, full, full, uh, fully sponsored sim. Um, can you hear Steve going off in the background? He's yeah, well, going to have a sponsor plug. Yeah, you do more plugs than we <laughs> used to on Two GO. <laughs> have, have we got John Moore's on the air? I'm not sure. More than, <laughs> more, than, more, more than Robson Civil. I, I don't know about that. Robson gets a fair old yeah, run. Just um, repeat this after me. Valvely, you know what I <laughs> <Yeah>. mean. <laughs> I I can't do that because I'm sponsored by another oil brand. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a per- Pertolina, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Pertolina. Yeah, correct. Oh, Bastron. He's all over it. All over it. How's that simulation going anyway? Uh, it's going good, mate. It's going yeah. really good. I actually, um, again, the, the home track advantage. I was able to sleep at home on the race weekend and um, and jump on to the sim in between sessions so um probably the biggest thing with the sim is just that repetition and, and the muscle memory of knowing where your brake markers are and just kind of you know getting into that zone and, and that rhythm of, of being out on track so um as as everyone probably knows it's super expensive to to get on track and you know the, the team doesn't always have the resources to put me in the seat so um the, the simulator is the next best thing and there's a lot of smart engineers around the world who have developed the programs to run those simulators so they're uh they're as close as you'll probably ever get to driving a real race car in your living room uh mate the big news in formula one daniel ricardo um mutual agreement as it's been put in the i call yeah. it i call it being sacked but uh you can call it either we can call it a mutual agreement but uh no longer with mclaren or he'll finish off the season anyway but um parting ways with mclaren now there looks like there's a few opportunities for him one being with alpine which is the the former Renault team, uh, which he was a yep. part of. So uh, interesting uh, the way that he is departing ways. And I've got to tell you, if I'm getting sacked, I wouldn't mind the 24-odd <laughs> million dollars that he's going to receive. And I'm sure you wouldn't mind it either, to be honest. Yeah, look, it's it's not a bad deal, mate. I definitely didn't get paid that much to leave out here <laughs> at the end of last year. If uh, if I did, I probably would be uh, hanging out with Danny Rick. But, yeah. um, you know, look, he's, he's in a good position position he's, he's racing formula one like he's he's not probably where he where he wants to be but you know trying to keep it light-hearted i know there's a lot of of you know probably disappointed danny rick fans out there but i think he he will find a, a spot on the grid and i don't really know if he was quite that happy at mclaren anyway um i've got a um a bit of a theory that there there could be a bit of con, 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 convolution can convoluting between um between danny rick mark weber who is oscar piastri's manager and fernando alonso who is really good friends with mark weber um what kicked this all off was alonso left alpine to go to aston martin with absolutely no uh warning i think alpine thought they had him signed and sealed which was keeping piastri on the on the back burner for another year Piastri was, you know, kind of getting the shits with that and, and looking for other options. Um, and, you know, to, to cut a long story short, I reckon uh, Fernando might have let his mate Mark Webber know about that. And then if they've spoken to Danny Rick, then maybe Danny's turned around and gone, you know what, I probably wouldn't mind going back to Alpine because it's not working here at McLaren. So, you know, for all the Danny Rick fans out there, hold, hold hope. It, uh, it might be all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the key... It doesn't matter what else he did at McLaren. The win where he won and Lando Norris where they were fighting for the win. I mean, that's got to be the highlight of the last couple of years from a Daniel Ricciardo point of view. 
100%. I, I was on a uh, F1 podcast recently, obviously nowhere near as good as the Central Coast SEN show. Um, <laughs> and I, I said the same thing, you know, own, only driver to have won for McLaren since, since 2012. You know, that's 10 years since that team's won. And Lando Norris has arguably had more opportunities to, to get that done with the way that he's meshed with that car and has been a part of that team for so long. And I think that's that's why Danny Rick was employed to go there to it was to win and and he's the only one who's done it. So um, I was kind of getting a little bit upset with the the Aussie media that was, was constantly on top of him, you know, dragging him down. And I, I thought, you know, we're, we're lucky to have one Aussie in in F one, so we we need to support him um, because you just never how know how long they're going to be there for. So you know, it's while it's disappointing he's leaving, I, I think it's. It's also probably no surprise. Um, he himself hasn't been happy with his results, so um, he's probably, you know, I don't know if he's excited to, to leave at the, at the moment, but we're, I think we're all kind of hoping that the, the next move will be a good one for him. And, look, I don't know if that's going to be Alpine, and I don't know if that's the right spot for him to go back to, um, but I'm sure there'll be some other options out there. A couple of questions for you, Luke, in relation to this. They, obviously, there was discussions or you know, the opportunity for him to go to the NASCARs uh, or the yep. cars with uh, McLaren there and the uh, American uh, company there. Um, but yep. then I look at that and I go, is he still up to it? Is he still good enough to be competing at that F1 level? Yeah, like I think that he is. I think that the NASCAR potential IndyCar thing will come in time for Danny Rick. You know, if, if he does another few years in F1 and then decides to call it quits, I think those opportunities will still be there, if, if not more prevalent, because he, he's got such a big brand outside of F1. He's the most recognized driver aside from Lewis Hamilton, which is is huge um, considering how big Lewis's fan base is and how well recognized he is around the world. Um, so I, I think... I think that the fire is there. I just don't know if it's meshed right. And it's a weird thing to say because, you know, I sort of look at it and like a guy like, you know, Chaz, who I was teammates with last year, jumps from a a GT to a supercar to a TCR car, all with very varying driving styles and can get it right. Um, You know, that's that's what I try and do when I jump from, from car to car. And I would love to understand why Danny hasn't been able to look at Lando's data and and do it like he does and emulate that, um, at least to get himself up to Lando's standard. Um, he may maybe he's tried it. Uh, who knows? But you know, it's um it's a very interesting situation. Um, I think he is still good enough. Um, the U.S. stuff will will be there. I think um, it's just a matter of who he goes to now and and what they can sort of promise him as is the the future for that particular team. Yeah. I guess when you look at the standings now for the Formula One, uh, Belgian Grand Prix coming up next, but Max Verstappen is 258 points, 80 points ahead of everybody else. Um, Charles Leclerc uh, Leclerc coming second, uh, and then Perez, his teammate, uh, third. But is it all done and dusted? Oh look, I mean, I don't, I don't. Mathematically, it's not, but I, I think that Max has kind of wiped the floor with, with the guys over the last sort of four or five Grand Prix. Ferrari were looking like they might be able to turn it around before the summer break, but some of, the, some of the Grand Prix that they've, you know, muffed over the just before the summer break was just 
epic. Like you, you could not have had a bigger stuff up uh, with some of the calls that Ferrari made, and um, unfortunately, their reliability has been a bit questionable as well. So um, it's gonna, it's hard to see how Ferrari and even Perez would would catch Max. Um, but you, you never know. I think we've got nine Grand Prix still remaining. So, uh, but he'd need to have what you know three three DNFs at least, and for Charles to to win every one of those Grand Prix for for him to catch back up. So, um, I don't think Red Bull's planning on having three DNFs out of the next nine races. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it, it probably is done and done and dusted there. But um, yeah, you can hold hope that um, maybe Max might have a few poor Grand Prix and Ferrari comes good. But um, yeah, we'll we'll soon find out in Belgium. Yeah, and Butte, uh, just some news this week. I'm sure you heard uh, Formula One definitely not going back to Russia. Yeah, and again, there's news there, and you know we understand why with everything that's going on around the world. Uh, just one last question here, Luke, in relation to the standings. Lewis Hamilton uh, sitting sixth at the moment. His teammate, George Russell, he's had a big year, the guy from Great Britain. He has. Yeah, yeah. He George, I think, was always going to impress. He had that um, one Grand Prix where he stepped in for Lewis back in 2020 um, when Lewis had COVID and um, it should have won that Grand Prix if it wasn't for some some poor luck and, and some errors in the pit stop from Mercedes. So, you know, George, out of all the young guys that have been in the lower teams on the grid, like your Williams and Alpha Tories and all, all those teams, he has shown the most promise. Um, and I think his three years at Williams have definitely um, helped him adapt to probably a, a car that doesn't agree with every circuit. And that's helped him this year with Merck because the Merck certainly hasn't been great at every track. So, um, but Lewis is definitely coming good. Um, he's had those two P2s recently and, and George just behind him. So, I think Mercedes is, is in a pretty privileged position to have two of the best guys on the grid at the moment. And they might be a dark horse to overtake Ferrari um, in terms of the Constructors' Championship by the end of the year, which will be a big win for Mercedes leading into next season. Hey, uh, I don't want to put the commentator's curse on, but you could be the man at Sandown. That's around about two or three weeks away. Yeah, yeah, it is, mate. And Sandown, as as you know, is is a good track for us. We've had heaps of success there, and in loads of different categories. Um, yeah, we, we had some some great racing down there when I, I was last there in the 86 series back in 2019. So um, it's been a happy hunting ground for us, and uh, it's the home of horsepower. So hopefully the, the little Hyundai's got plenty of that. And, uh, yeah, we, we should be able to do well. I think um, from what we learned at Queensland Raceway through, through some of the high-speed corners there, we're pretty on top of the car now, and, um, and Bridie certainly helped us move forward forward with it over that weekend so i'm really looking forward to Sandown. hey uh you know this is a first for saturdays on the coast and a first for the whole time i've worked with buttes we're not getting the wind up from our producer we're getting <laughs> the wind up we're getting the wind up from buttes <laughs> <laughs> i'm just keeping an eye on the clock mate just keeping an eye on we've got we've got bills to pay steve-o's always Please. late <laughs> He's all over the points, so he must have a stopwatch going as well. <laughs> yeah, call him Pythagoras. Pyth- Pythagoras Butner. Hey, uh, great to talk to you, Lightning. Give our love to Liz, your beautiful partner, and we'll talk soon. 
Will do, mate. We'll uh, yeah, see you guys for TCR Sandown on the 16th to 18th of September. Lightning Luke King coming to us live from Brisbane. Uh, what a brilliant driver he is. And he's had a superb career, not just in the Toyota 86s, but he also went and raced overseas in China in the LMP3 car, mm. which was like a space-age car. And, yeah, he finished on the podium there. And now he's doing the same in the TCR Australia Series. Mate, he's a good wine. He just keeps getting better with age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is like a good wine. And, uh, Buttes, uh, we need to go to a break. Uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast, thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Back in a moment on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. And right now let's go to the man who steered the Kalani Vale Bombers to their first minor premiership since the 1990s. Absolutely incredible performance by Corey Shackleton. Shaq, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, mate. How you going? Yeah, well, and uh, congratulations. So, I mean, you locked in the minor premiership a few weeks before the end of the season. And like I just said a moment ago, I think we've got to go all the way back to 1998, the last time the Bombers won it. Yeah, it has. It's been, it's been a while from a, from a men's perspective that we've probably had such a consistent season and got ourselves in, in the position we have. So it's... um. You know, while the job's not done, it's it, it is nice to know that you know we've had a really good, consistent season. And you know, yeah, it's it's from a club's perspective, it's been like you said, quite a while to to cast the memory back. Fairly good omen too, because 1998 was a premiership-winning year. It was, and, and ironically enough, that year they won the minor premiership. They had one loss through the season, as we did this year, and they lost once to Terrigal, and then they went through to a grand final and beat Terrigal in a grand final. So. Um, if that trend continues this year, I'd obviously be pretty wrapped as a coach. But, um, yeah, I don't know how much we can rub into omens, but I'll take it if it's on our side. Yeah, Shaq, if only I'd arrived on the Central Coast one year earlier because I played in the 99 Grand Final and we lost to Terrigal. So you're on a collision course with the Mighty Panthers. Uh, you've got this weekend off, which I guess is reflecting what the AFL are up to. Is, is that the reason why? Part of it. Um, I mean, it does work nicely with that. There's also the way the competition structured is the uh, the plate competition, which is like our, our second division competition. That that has a five team final series, and that they need that extra week just so the grand finals align. So we it happens that the the premier division competition just gets that week off, uh, which is great. You know, kind of reset some injuries and get everyone in tip top shape, and then we kick off into into it next week. Well, what have been some of the highlights for you across the home and away season? Um. At an individual level, like we've had some really good performances. Obviously, getting Big Rooster to come back home, Tim Oosterhoff, he kicked 96 goals in the home and away, which was a fantastic effort. And, yeah, he's always good to watch. I think uh, our midfield has is, is just been really good. Like guys like Rick White and Josh Misford are both, um, yeah, fantastic homegrown football talent. And then we've got, you know, um, Damien Hector and then and Cal Bond starting to step into that role and guys like Aaron Duncan. So we've got a really strong midfield, which has been been really nice to watch like they just play a really great brand of football and compliment as well and I think otherwise just all the juniors over the last three or four years that have just come up and now they're playing consistent football like they've always had that talent and have that ability but they've all played you know 50 100 games now for the club and and they kind of become used to the way we want to play and they're performing their role and as a coach you know it sounds kind of vanilla but it's uh it's just pleasing to see I tell you probably the highlight for me is what I saw on Facebook last weekend 
you've had a player at your footy club who's respected by everyone in the game who's just chalked up 400. I mean, he's the Michael Tuck of the local footy league, or there's a guy, Billy Dennis, who's played about 500, but 400 games for the one club is amazing. Yeah, um, and Brendan Lewis, you know, he's been outstanding for us. Like, ever since he started playing first grade, I remember when he first came in, uh, he's just one of those blokes, I guess. He's an outstanding human being, and he's a, he's a phenomenal leader. You know, he's still part of our leadership group. He captained us for... You know, six or seven se- uh, seasons uh, as a first grade captain, and he um he's just always been just well, you know, just as as a leader, exceptional as a footballer, just always well prepared, does everything right, and to have him for four hundred games at the club is a blessing from the club's perspective, and um yeah, to achieve that is at, you know in, in country footy is is phenomenal, and it's it's great to see a person that has so much service to the club. You know, it's it's really great, and he's also made the team of the year numerous times in the Hunter Central Coast comp? Oh, correct, yeah. He's, he made the team of the year a number of times, representative footy. I think he played a reserve grade game for the Giants as well. Like, he's a he's a very good footballer. It's not it's not by chance that he's played that many games. He's he's durable, he's always fit, and he's uh, he's an outstanding footballer. So, um, yeah, his resume is uh, yeah, one, to, one to behold. Is he your best and fairest at your footy club as well? I think probably, unfortunately for for Louis, I don't think he's one of the best and fairest, but he's um he's one of those guys that I reckon he's probably been in the top three a number of times. Like when you talk about consistency, with that without winning a best and fairest, he, he'd be the guy you'd look at uh, without a doubt. He's uh he's never had a bad season that I can recall. You're on a collision course, as I said, with Terrigal. Have you kept an eye on them because they're in red hot form on paper, uh, undefeated? What in about nine or ten games? Yeah, I think it'd be near that. It'd be eight or nine that they've they've, they've gone through. So, absolutely kept an eye on them. Like you know, we've spoken a number of times, and Terrigal's always been the, the benchmark in my mind for the last you know ten years. But you know, this year, you know, we, we knew they were going to build. You know, we got them early in a couple of games in the season, and then they got us the last time we played. And you can just sense they're building well. They've, they've timed their run really good. You know, Chris Bishop's you know the master when it comes to preparing his side for finals. So they're they're cherry ripe at the right end of the season, and you know, we've got to just be ready because they're, they're, they're experienced. They've got really good depth. And um, like I said, they're, um, they're in red hot form. Yeah, you've probably got to be wary of their entire 22, but who are maybe the half dozen prime movers for them? Oh, Harrison Pitt, who plays full forward for him. He's kicked 70 goals this season. He's, he's an elite talent. He's kind of come into his own this year. He's a really good set of hands and he's just well balanced and he just has that goal goal sense. He just knows where the big sticks are. He's he's excellent up forward. They've got um they've got Mitchell Price who won a league medal a couple of years ago, plays in the ruck but also has been going forward a bit lately. He's a he's a big lad and again, you know, a great great footballer. And then there's the the I guess the terrible you know, old stays that have been there for a while and obviously Chris Bishop himself still plays in the middle and he's just such a smart, intelligent footballer and, you know, the boys get around him and then you've got Jace Van Dam and and Corbin Bond at the back that just give him so much structure and, uh, I guess, accountability and voice and energy. So they're probably the key ones. But like you said, guys like um, Young Grimmond in the middle, Kurt Fleming, you could you could put a list together of 22 players, but um, they do have some exceptional in the experienced category they're, they're very very strong hey Shaq you uh, sent an advanced party like a reconnaissance mission down to have a look at them uh, in the Groucho Marx gear like with a moustache and fake glasses on uh, <laughs> w- were they spotted uh, on this mission oh I'm, I'm sure they were I mean I'm sure I, I'm sure they, they stood out I'd imagine they were probably standing there in their carnival gear so I, I can't imagine they would have been incognito but yeah absolutely like for us 
you know, coming to that last round, we, we know that we've got to understand Terrigal and how they play and we've got to look for any advantage we can get because um, they're the team to beat. So, yeah, we get some guys there to have a look and see the way they play and where they structure. And um, if we can get something out of that and, you know, get an advantage, then that's a win. Yeah, I tell you, it's massive to have two Central Coast teams in in the big one with a chance to reach the grand final. Uh, how do you how do you feel about that? Oh, in a way, like it, it is great. Like it, kind of proud. Like we've we've seen ten years of Newcastle City and Terrigal dominance, and um, you know Clarnival and, and these other clubs have all kind of been thereabouts, but never really a genuine chance to challenge and to have a major semi final with two coast clubs in it. Uh, and like you said, potentially a chance of you know both in the end could be in the grand final is great. Like it's just, um, it's good for Central Coast footy and uh, it's great because it's a local rivalry like us and Terrible. You know, we obviously like to have a bit of a bit of a crack at each other on the field. It's always a fantastic contest. So to put that together in a grand final, for example, would just be, um, it'd just be amazing. It'd be such a, such a great atmosphere. Hey, Corey, you mentioned one player who, in my opinion, has flown under the radar so far this year, and that is Rick White, who's played at that kneeful level, which is one below the AFL. How is the big guy travelling? And I guess he's gearing up for a massive September. Yeah, I mean, Rick's he's unbelievable. You know, like you said, he played at Neeful level. I think he's in the Labrador's team of the decade. Uh, he played representative football for the Neeful as well. So he's he's not just played in that Neeful level, but he, he dominated at that Neeful level. So he's, he's a real talent. And he's having a fantastic season. Uh, he, he just leads from the front on the field. In terms of how he's travelling, he didn't play the last round. He's just got a couple of niggles. We're just trying to manage with him. He's probably not 100%, but um, obviously with that last weekend off and then this weekend, we're, we're hopeful that he'll be cherry ripe for the for the semi. But, yeah, he's critical to us yeah, in terms of the, the work rate that he, that he provides out of the midfield. Have you got recollections of 2007 and what worked so successfully back then? Kind of. A very different scenario. Like 2007, we were kind of rank outsiders and underdogs. You kind of feel like this year where. We're kind of on equal terms almost with Terry. We feel like we're just as much of a chance. You know, in 07, we, you know, we really come from a long way back. But what I do recollect is, you know, just training those weeks in and, and these lead up to these big games and just the belief that started to build in the group. So that's really what we want to try and replicate or what I'd like to replicate from my experience is just creating that belief and, and just having it kind of grow and manifest through training and, and what we do with the footies. And then hopefully we, we get into the game and we don't, we don't fold under under the pressure that Terrigal brings or even the perceived pressure that that creates from, you know, what they've done to us over so many years. Yeah, Corey, uh, you're getting a standing ovation here in the Man Cave. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, mate. Uh, it's been a pleasure to play with you and now watch you as head coach of my old footy club. Uh, well done, mate, and best wishes for the prelim against another fantastic team with a great coach, Terrigal Panthers. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Much appreciated and... um. If we don't speak beforehand, I'll uh, I'll do my best to uh, do the Bombers prayer. Corey Shackleton, head coach of the Kalani Val Bombers, the minor premiers in 2022, and what a game that'll be next weekend. We're back in a few moments, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back for the second hour of the show. And Buttes, we're coming to you live from the Man Cave. What do you enjoy most about that first hour? Um, so many cracking guests mate, and yeah. a lot of local sport as well. Yeah, it was. It was great to hear. And, and you know, I love Luke King and, and the stuff around uh, the Formula One and what's happened there with Daniel Ricciardo. Obviously, he's doing amazing stuff and, and how well he's performing 
uh, in his new series. Um, you know, he's clearly a driver who's got plenty of ability. But, you know, when I look at our other guests, um, you know, the local content and thinking about, you know, the, the local footy in the finals and the AFL, he's got some cracker games coming up, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. The all-Central Coast matchup in the AFL between Kalani Val Bombers and Terrigal Avoca. Looking forward to that. But also to hear from Dane Allen. So... The guy, as you heard, has won five premierships and played in seven. And he he said those on. He could pass that experience on. It's going to be amazing. Well, he said those two that he lost, they're the ones that keep him up at night. Um, As I dare say, there's one that keeps you up. I know exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) And he's 100% right. You know what? And they talk about it in the NRL. And I remember when I was working there in the match review committee, they talk about, you know, all games were the same. And I said, you know what? I only ever played in one grand final. I can assure you it's was completely different to the other 262 games that I played. It meant so much more and it hurt so much more. Uh, and, you know, that's coming from people who haven't played the game, who don't realise how important, how significant playing in a grand final is. And, you know, to have that experience in their locker room is going to be invaluable for that Aaron Eagle side. Yeah, and Dane also said to me off the air that he feels like once upon a time, and Tony Clark will back this up, that... Central Coast Rugby League was revered and you'd pick up the local paper and there'd be pages on the local competition. And nowadays, with the way the print media has gone, that we basically don't have a paper. It's online these days. There's not the same buzz. And, yeah, he was delighted that we're, you know, that we're covering the game and that we're doing it at MBN TV as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, so many people still are interested in the local content and what's going on there. And they'll get a big crowd down there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and if Tookley get to the big one, wow. I mean, you know, that could be a sellout down at Woi Woi, whatever capacity is down there. I have no doubt, mate. Let's, let's try and get to Luffy because we've got plenty to talk about when it comes to <laughs> AFL, mate. That's what I know. Yeah, well, last week was just incredible. Uh, there were so many blowouts, but Collingwood versus Carlton was one of the best home and away games you would ever see. Uh, joining us right now to discuss that in the final series, Sydney Swans legend Troy Luff. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Morning, Buttes and Steve. And oh, look, it, it was a great game. And, and Carlton got themselves into a position at three-quarter time where they had to absolutely stuff up to not make the finals. And that's exactly what they did. They they blew a, a match-winning margin. Now, they, they've been in the top eight since round one. So it took up until the last couple of hours of the home and away season for them to drop out of the top eight. And they, they only had themselves to blame. They... Forwards, they kicked four goals, eight between them. Kerno kicked two goals, five. Um, McKay, two goals, three. And you need to – and some of the, the shots they missed were absolute sitters. And then, and then not, to not even score a goal in the last quarter, they panicked. They, they threw the ball away. They made bad decisions. And in the end, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we're, we're a week – we're nearly a week since that game. And, and there'll be players still shattered that they're not playing in, in a week's time. And – as I said, they have nothing to, to blame. And, and you can tell Buttes what the crowd was for a home-and-away game. It's irrelevant, mate. It's irrelevant. But what I will say, Luffy, is the fact that... 88,000 people. Home-and-away game. Not a final. Yeah. Home-and-away. 88,000 people. Yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. They'll turn up to any Melbourne people, that's for sure. Yeah, but, and but, they, they but, are and the, you know what? They weren't disappointed either. But they are the traditional rivals. So, yeah. you know, this is a rivalry that goes back to the 1970s. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Luffy. I mean, they played in some epic grand finals back then, and it was usually the Navy Blues that got over the top. Well, it was 1970. That was the big one. And that's when uh, Coach Ron Barassi 
uh, put on a player, Hopkins. I can't remember his first, John Hopkins, uh, Hopkins anyway, and he kicked three or four goals in the last quarter to, again, it was it was opposite to what happened last weekend. They turned the tables and had a massive win. And I think there was a hundred and I think that was the biggest crowd, one hundred and ten thousand people. Because back then they actually let them used to sit on the fence, as in on the ground around the boundary. There were thousands of people sitting around the boundary, and so can you imagine one hundred and ten thousand people at the MCG. It's just insane. And yeah, it, it's it, back in the day, it was always Carlton that won, and now that's been turned, and it's now Collingwood that wins. Yeah. Luffy, uh, before you go any further, and we've got a lot of finals to take a look at, but what's it like to run onto the G? I mean, it must just be the Paul Kelly song where it would feel like you're taking leaps and bounds, and you had one of your best ever games in a losing grand final for the Sydney Swans, but try to paint a picture of what it feels like to be on the G. Oh, look, I mean, it obviously depends on the game and, you know, going going around in the, the last Saturday in September on grand final day, there was 90-odd thousand people there and just to run out onto the ground. And at the time, I, I ran alongside Paul Ruse and I just turned to him and said, hey, just have a look at this. Just look around. It was just um, – it's it's a party atmosphere, you know. And, and I played the MCG in front of 10,000 people when it was pouring rain and no one was there. So, But the ground itself, when you stand out in the middle of the MCG and just look around, it's a, it's an amazing stadium. It is it is one of the best in the world and it has one of the biggest capacities in the world. And when it's full on grand final day, it, it is just such a sensation. And, and Robbie Williams, he's going to be performing oh. this year at the grand final. How good's that? That is good. It's fantastic. You know, there's a couple of things I love about that. The fact that he's the best concert I've ever seen, Robbie Williams. He's absolutely brilliant and a great entertainer. The MCG, I, I would love to have had the opportunity to run out there and play out there. Like, you know, to, to go down there and watch Origin down there, to go watch some AFL games. It is just, you're right, Luffy, it's one of the great stadiums in the world. There yeah, you no weren't far off, Buttes, because, like, uh, the Origin was there in the early 90s. Yeah, exactly right. But it was just one of those things where it was just, it's a phenomenal stadium and there's just so much atmosphere and, I guess, and what's, good, well. what's also good about the stadium is where it's located. It's yes. in the middle of the city and the whole precinct is just sports field. You've got Amy Stadium there, obviously, where the Storm play or whatever it's called now. You've got the Tennis Centre right next door. The whole precinct is just sport there's so much sport that goes on there and so on the day if you're a spectator just going to the ground the pubs are full the whole area is just full of supporters and it's just great atmosphere that's even before you get into the game and once the game starts it is it's just and i'm sure buttes are some of his you know former teammates or, or rugby league mates have got to play there in state of origin just how the atmosphere would have been. It's it it's there is nothing in Australia and you know there's not many around the world that, that create an atmosphere like that at the MCG. Yeah, it is so true, mate. Now, th- obviously, after what happened last weekend, and you know we've worked out who was in the top eight, who finishes where. Uh, it's a free weekend this weekend, um, <laughs> and I, I'd just like to get your thoughts on it because. It's very unusual for this to occur, but you know, I think this is the second or third year that they've done well, this. Well, like you said to me, Buttes, off off the air, you said that it's just a free hit to every other code, in particular the NRL. Yeah, exactly right. So I'd love to get your thoughts, Luffy. How do you see this? Is it a benefit for the players? Do they just want to keep going through the season and, and get into the final straight away? Some do and some don't. And if you've only got to look back at the Western Bulldogs a few years ago that they won the premiership um, from lower down on the ladder. And they had players that 
wouldn't have played the first week of the finals due to injury, but they were able to play because they had the week off. And so from a player's perspective, a lot of them see that week off that, you know, it's been a long season. They, they love having that break. Um, and, and also for players now with the concussion rule, the AFL's adopted last year that you need to have, I think it's a 10 day break. Now, someone like Tom Patley, he was concussed last weekend if they were playing this weekend, he wouldn't be allowed uh, able to play. But because they're playing Friday week, it means he can play. He's eligible to play. Even if there's nothing wrong with them, with the AFL's concussion rule, you have to miss the next week. So, you know, for players, for spectators and fans, it's it. they get to the weekend and they scratch their heads going, what am I going to do now? It's, it, there's no football. I mean, I, I just actually went to the AFL app just before to look for the teams for this weekend and went, oh, hang on, there's no game this weekend. I mean, there is AFLW, but, you know, some people do watch that and, and good luck to them. And the Sydney Swans are in the competition and all that. It's, it's fantastic. But, you know, for the for the avid footy fan, it's just there's a weekend off. They, they don't know what to do. Yeah, well, I love the AFLW uh, and I love the NRLW as well. It kicked off last week and mm. I think women's sport is just thriving at the moment on all levels. Buttes? Yeah, I Look, I agree with you, Steve. I'm going to look at the uh, the finals and the way they're going to play out, Luffy. First one being Brisbane versus Richmond, uh, 6v7. That's on Thursday. Uh, Melbourne-Sydney, big game that uh, Sydney didn't quite get the uh, the for and against they needed against. A St Kilda. St Kilda the week before. I uh, always thought that was a danger game, the game against the Saints. Yeah. And I wasn't too impressed with Fremantle up against GWS. That was in Canberra. So the doggies sneak in because of Carlton's loss. Yep. But let's see what Luffy thinks. Firstly, Thursday night footy at the Gabba. Yeah, well, Brisbane's form hasn't been great lately, and, and Richmond has. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Tigers. Is it the Gabba? That's the big advantage. But if you just look at Brisbane's form, they, they have, have really struggled. And, you know, it's they're going to need their crowd to get them over the line. And I just think Richmond, they, they are the best at finals. We know that from past years. And you know, they have two, three premierships and – and if there was ever going to be a favourite that's outside of the top four, Richmond would have to be it. And and I reckon they'll even start favourites against the Lions, even though it's at the Gabba. It, it's going to be a tough game. Like I I want the Lions to win. I do like Brisbane. You know they've they they were down and out for many many years. In the last few years, they've come good. But on the weekend, some of their key forwards, Hipwood, just just didn't get a touch. Jeremy, uh, uh, Joey Danaher, he, he just he hasn't been doing enough. They're going to lose uh, Cam Rayner through suspension on, for his tackle on Ben Brown. So that's a big loss. Uh, but, you know, you expect the guys like Lockie Neal and McCluggage, uh, you know, Daniel Rich, they'll stand up in the finals. And, you know, it, it's going to be tough. I'd like to see Brisbane win, but I really think Richmond will be favourites. There's a couple of massive question marks. Can Geelong keep their role going? I mean, it's been a while between flags. You'd know the exact stats, Luffy, and they've been the best team all year. But can they get the job done in the finals? But can Melbourne continue their role and they take on Sydney Swans? What a game that'll be. Well, Geelong first. I think they're up to 13 games in a row, and... To be honest, they haven't really been tested the last third, as in they've played so well that, yeah, they might have been down and out in the first quarter. I think it was the Western Bulldogs. They they were four or five goals down. They ended up beating them by four or five goals. That They just keep coming good, and they've got such a deep list. They've got players that, are, that aren't playing that are senior players. So, you know, I think Geelong, for me, is probably the number one 
premiership contender. And I feel sorry for Geelong fans and the players. They don't get to actually play at Cadinia Park. It's, mm. it's a home final. They've, they've earned the right by finishing on top of the ladder. They play all their home games in Geelong. But because of the capacity and because it's not finished yet, the stadium is not finished, they have to play at the MCG. The other game, Swans-Melbourne. Well, we know the Swans beat Melbourne earlier this year at, uh, at the MCG, and they, they've learnt the recipe on how to beat them. Melbourne's form a little bit up and down as well. They, you know, If it wasn't for the Swans' poor game on Sunday, it would have been at the SCG. They needed to win by about six or seven goals and they just they just didn't play very well. A lot of players were down. They missed some opportunities. They were nearly five goals up at one point, but then they just let it slip with some easy shots for goal. And but you know the good thing with the Swans is they're guaranteed a home final. So if they win this week, they get a prelim final at the SCG. If they lose, they'll get a qualifying final at the semi final at the SCG next week or the hey, week after. Hey, by the way, the uh, best attacking team in the comp, Richmond Tigers, two thousand one hundred and sixty five points this year. Closely followed by the Brisbane Lions, 2,147. Next is the Cats, 2,146. I've always thought, Luffy, I've always thought the best defensive team are always going to be hard to beat in finals footy. And if you have a look at that, there's three the teams. Dockers. Well, there's, Dockers the best. Yeah, yeah, there's three teams. Uh, Melbourne's number one. They've conceded 1,483. Fremantle, 1,486. The Cats... 1,488. Now, what, what we need, Buttes, is, is Steve to actually tell us what that means per game because the people listening have no idea what he's talking it's about. Just a, so, it's just a lot of points. That's all it is. So is that like 80 points per game? You know, what quickly, what's 22 divided by 1,400? <laughs> Come on, yeah. Steve. Hey, early in the show, we call Buttes Pythagoras. She's about 64 <laughs> points, I think, mate. Give or take. But what about that final game, Luffy? Bulldogs versus uh, Fremantle. How do you think that'll play out? Yeah, well, the Bulldogs, you know, they scraped in and they didn't know they were playing finals literally until two hours to go at the home and away season. They they, they were up there earlier in the year and they struggled and then their form came good at the right time. And, and look, they were a chance to lose on the weekend as well. Um, they were down and out and then all of a sudden they came home and they're, they're a threat. They're like Richmond. They are a threat. On their day, they can beat anybody. And, I, you know, the Fremantle Dockers' form was okay this year like because of their defensive work that's what's won them games not because they're attacking they don't score big they don't have high goal kickers um so coming up against the western bulldogs who love to play that run and carry and get in the forward line quick and they've got plenty of players that can kick goals that's the threat for Fremantle. so you know as much as it's it's in perth and there'll be a sellout over there. I think it's 60-odd thousand that the stadium holds now. I really do think the Bulldogs have no fear going to Perth Stadium to play the, the Dockers. What I do know, Luffy, based on what you've told me, it's going to be a great final series, and I'm really looking forward to next weekend. Uh, some news this week uh, out at Essendon with the coach, Ben Rutten, being sacked. Oh. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that and how it all played out? Obviously, the CEO, he then stood down uh, a couple of days later. It looks like a bit of a uh, train wreck at the moment. Well, I watched the press conference after the Essendon game and Brett, Brett Rutten just said, I want to continue coaching this club. I believe we've got the players to do so. I'm committed, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, gone. That, that was, you know, For whatever he, he said, I'm sure those that were going to sack him the next day were sitting there just actually panicking, thinking, you know what, we've got to tell him tomorrow that he's not coaching anymore while he's standing there saying how much he wants to keep coaching. So, I mean, look, You've got to feel for coaches, and he'll be he'll be the third coach 
that left Essen in the last five or six years now, and now they're going to have to find another one. And I guess he would have known the writing was on the wall when it was made public that Essen were trying to get Alistair Clarkson to come and coach them when Brett Rutten was still the coach. So you, you knew that something was going to happen. So they made a play for Clarkson. He said, no, he's gone back to North Melbourne. Um, GWS, they've announced their new coach as well. Yep. And now Essendon has to find another new coach. So, you know, there's been a few coaches that have been shown the door in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and as we'll find out in the next month, players are going to be shown the door as well. Yeah, well, Luffy, in terms of Game of Thrones, what does it mean for our mate Mark McVeigh, who's missed out on the GWS job? Where do you think he'll end up? Well, look, I, I I believe he'd probably stay on as an assistant coach. Uh, he's a he's a well, he's not a Sydney boy. He's actually a Central Coast boy, but you know he's close to home. Uh, he's he's been there for a long time. He's got a good rapport with the players. So, you know, without knowing him personally and asking him, I'd I'd say he'd want to stay with GWS unless he now puts his hand up for the Essendon job if he wants to be a head coach. That's the other thing. So, um, he he did say he wanted to coach GWS, uh, but they end up saying no. So, yeah, you know, you'd assume that he probably will stay. But the Giants are going to need a big clean out as well, not just from the, the players, but for the coaching staff. You know, for a team that made the grand final three years ago, uh, missed out in the finals by a lot this year. You know, they, they only won three games under Martin Levey. So, you know, there's going to be a bit of a clean out there in the, the match committee and the coaching staff as well. Is uh, the answer for the Bombers club legend uh, James Hurd, will they bring him back? You don't, you know, like sentimentally, yes, you would. Um, but can, but can he coach? That's the other thing. You know, he's he's been working with the Giants this year. Um, so you look at the Giants' record. <laughs> um, so yeah, can he coach? That's the question. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. So he'd probably be wanted back by the club, and you know, he, the players and the and the staff and the supporters would welcome him back with open arms. But but he needs to coach a team and he needs to get them out of the doldrums that they're in at the moment. They played the finals last year, Essendon, you know, and even though they got belted in the finals, they still made the finals. And now, you know, they were way, way off this year. And, you know, that, that needs to change. Hey, Luffy, what about you? Are you playing finals footy at the tender age of 59? I am. Uh, bright and early. Uh, got to drive all the way out to East Coast Eagles. We... We win, we're into the grand final. So uh, I'm uh, pretty nervous, penance. pretty excited. Well, last week we had a we played the, the second team and uh, we won by five, um, 10 goals. So, you know, we're, we're hoping hoping that it's not going to be left up to the old bloke at full forward, <laughs> that we can get the job done and I can take myself off and prepare for a grand final in a couple of weeks. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And you've had the opportunity to play with your son as well and that would have been so special for you. It was this year. He came down and he plays for Burley. He's actually, funny enough, he's playing the same day as me and if he wins, they're straight in the grand final. So we're both, uh, you know, wishing each other well and he came down during the year and we did a, a registration transfer and he came and played uh, with us against North Shore in Division 2 and we kicked 10 goals between us. I kicked eight, he kicked two. So, uh, but, what, but what was good though was in the last quarter there was, uh, he, he tried it, a few times during the game, but he finally got a, a centre break, looked up, kicked it to his dad. His dad took a mark and kicked a goal, and it was awesome. So, it was Luffy yeah. to Luff. Luff to <laughs> Luff. There it is. Beautiful. A little Luffy to big Luffy, uh, and uh, kicked the goal. That was very what, exciting. That's what dreams are made of, my friend. Oh, it was exciting. I mean, the whole day, the pre- preparation, waking up, having breakfast together, driving to the game, and then 
driving home from the game, talking about it, and yeah, it was it was just fantastic. We're going to try again next year as well. Yeah, oh, then awesome. a then a lazy ten between yeah, yeah. luff between. and luff. Hey, uh, yeah. thank you, mate. Can you believe we're getting the wind up from our producer back at headquarters? So uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk soon during the AFL final series. No, we will, and uh, I heard you've got a weekend away, Steve, but I won't actually tell the listeners where you're going because we know how these Steve Allen stalkers, they, they'll end up following you as well. So I don't want to cause any trouble where you're going. So have a great weekend away. Yeah, will do, mate. Uh, glad you mentioned that because uh, it's for the wedding anniversary, celebrating the 31st wedding anniversary this weekend. With Well, you definitely don't need the stalkers interrupting that then. <laughs> uh, Troy Luff joining us, AFL legend, former Sydney Swans champion, off to another break. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. Butch, you would have heard that Robson Civil Projects They've expanded out to Dubbo and they've posted on social media this week some of the infrastructure out there. So there's so much work going on in country New South Wales and well done to Robson Civil Projects. Jump online, take a look at some of their social media. They're also after great people. So Mm. if you see yourself working in civil construction in years to come, there's no better business. 60 years here on the Central Coast in Sydney, right through the Hunter Valley, Robson Civil Projects. It's one of the big things, I guess. You know, they're such a family-orientated business and, and to be around for such a long time, 60 years, uh, it's no fluke that they're doing, uh, as successful as they are and, and what they're managing to do, not only here on the Central Coast, but in all parts of New South Wales. Yeah, well, I spoke to Grant Robson recently on my podcast, The Perfect mm. Ten, and Grant, as managing director, he actually told me he never... He never really saw him going down that pathway. He thought he might go into the police force. Yeah. But that's what they're most proud of is the family values of that business. So we thank them so much for being a part of this show and the SEN Network. Butes, I know you want to talk about the Cowboys and the Rabbitohs. So what a blockbuster that is. And where, where do you feel like both sides are at? Rabbitohs grand finalists last year mm. going down against the Penrith Panthers, of course. But you know, they, had, they had that rematch last week against Penrith. How do you feel like they're travelling? Look, I think they're travelling pretty well. Um, the thing that concerns me about the uh, Rabbitohs is that they want games to be blowouts. They, they want to play touch footy. That's where they're at their best. And, and they feel that they will take on or beat most sides if it comes down to, you know, that game of touch footy where it's just points for points for points. When it gets tight, and we've seen it over the last probably five or six weeks, there's been a couple of games that they've failed to get across the line when it's been close. And, you know... Last week was one of those against the Panthers where it's 22 to 20 with, you know, five minutes to go. And they didn't have the ability to hang on. And I think for the Rabbitohs, that's the, that's the biggest thing for them. You know, the, the attacking ability can't be questioned. With the likes of Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell, who's come back from America uh, and is in amazing form at the moment. And, you know, there's talk about, you know, Wayne Bennett trying to get him to come to the the Redcliffe Dol- Dolphins, that'd be a big coup if they managed to get him. Yeah, absolutely. And then suddenly the Rabbitohs, they're all set for a field goal attempt and a back rower running a tough line goes flying over. Yeah. And you know what, Lee Martin, he's you know proven what he can do for New South Wales. He's proven what he can do for Penrith. And he, you know he's uh, you know a tough player who just does the hard work. And you know he's one of those kids that you want in your team each and every week. So uh, you know what, the thing that impressed me about Penrith is they did it without... 
two of their best, three of their best players in Cleary, uh, Luai and Fisher-Harris. Now, that is massive, uh, and it just shows the depth that the club has um, and that they're going to be there or thereabouts. You know, they took out the, the minor premiership with that victory the other night. Um, so they're, they're a good side. They're going to be really hard to beat, I have no doubt about it. Yeah, and look how far ahead of the pack they are yeah. with the injuries they've had and their players rolling through the Origin Series. I mean, it's a remarkable achievement by Penrith. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and you know, Ivan Cleary's done a great job there. And, again, you look at the systems they have in place, who they're able to bring into their squad. It's a clear indication of a, a club that is well and truly um, going to have a lot of success over the next few years. Hey, Butes, quickly here, because I think we're off to the news very shortly, but your thoughts on the Cowboys? I mean, they've been the revelation of the year. They're sitting second at the moment. They'll get a double chance, which means someone's off to Dairy Farmers Stadium. It's not Dairy Farmers anymore. It's 1300 Smiles Stadium. So, I mean, what a venue that is right in the heart of town. And it's going to be a tough ask to go and knock over the Cowboys in far north Queensland. Yeah, it will be a tough ask. The thing about it is, for me, the Cowboys, they've lost Dearden. Um, he had an injury last week, uh, which, uh, you know, nobody wants. It's a ruptured testicle. So that that would have hurt. So, um, so it, moves, it means that Drinkwater moves from fullback to 5'8". And that concerns me. I think he's been such a hit at fullback. Drinkwater, local kid, who's had a, a you know a massive impact up there. I, I agree with you, Buttes. I feel like sometimes there's too much pressure on Scotty when he's a playmaker, whereas at fullback he just chimes in beautifully and he's had so many try assists. Yeah, he's free-flowing. He just doesn't need to, to run the team. He just needs to play what's in front of him. And I think yeah, Chad Townsend provides that support and guidance. But I think at fullback is where he's most dangerous. And he's proven to be that all year. Off to the news, Buttes. And really looking forward to this next interview. Young lady from the Central Coast who went to Canada and won a world silver in the K4 with the Australian crew. By the way, it was her first world championships ever. Ella Beer is coming up next on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN and we're coming to you live from the Man Cave and it's all thanks to Robson Civil Projects celebrating their 60th anniversary and also McDonald Jones Homes. You can start your dream home with McDonald Jones today. Well, Buttes, you know I'm excited about this. I've been talking about it all morning. In fact, I think it's one of the greatest sporting performances of 2022 and it's the Australian K4 crew with Ella Beer from the Central Coast in the front seat. Uh, Ella joins us live on the line now from Sydney. Ella, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, we're well. In fact, uh, we're going to rise as one. Yeah, why not? And <laughs> so we should. Well, you know, we love the standing ovation. Congratulations on a silver medal at the World Championships in Canada in the K4 500. And I believe it was your first World Championships. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Uh, yeah, now, we can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, now you're still pinching yourself. You were telling us off the air that you kind of didn't expect to finish where you did and you're racing an exceptional, well, the world's best in Poland. But tell us how it all unfolded. Well, yeah, I honestly was happy to make the final and I think the rest of the crew was pretty happy as well. Um, we, on the Wednesday, like the first day of competition, we actually came third in our heat. So that meant that we directly made the final so we didn't even have to do the semi and I think we were still buzzing from that by the time it got to Saturday and we actually did the final um and yeah like it was it was just an really intense time like it was just 
you know, we were so nervous. We were, but we were so ready and we felt like we'd done the preparation. We'd had some really good time trial times. And so we, we felt prepared. And I think that was the main thing. Ella, how um, did you go? How did you go with the, the team in relation to, you know, coming third in your heat and then getting second in the final? Obviously your times were different. Um, did you feel that you were able to lift more or you just had that confidence to know that we can get the job done? Yeah, I think that um, we definitely executed our final better than our heat, which is the way that you'd want it around. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the things we had to work on after the heat were the reaction time off the line, which is um, a lot about me just, you know, being really prepared in the moment because I'm in the front seat. Um, and our other thing was just keeping the rating a little bit lower and just trusting that we we have the efficiency if we can just put the power down and just um, do what we've done in training. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely, uh, lifted for the final, uh, which is quite surprising because, you know, we were under so much pressure, like in that moment. Um, so yeah. Yeah. i tell you, so you said you actually had to back the rating off. So for people listening to our sports show that don't understand the sport, you think that you've just got to go berserk. And so in the sport, it's called Ella, it's spinning the wheels. Is that correct? Spinning the wheels, yeah. If you go too berserk, you end up just um, losing your efficiency and just spinning the boat pretty much. So, um, so you guys are focusing on being long and strong. Is that correct? Long and strong. Um, if it was a 200-metre race, which is a bit of a shorter distance, we definitely would have just gone berserk the whole way because that's all you can do. Uh, but in the 500-metre, basically you want to you want to go berserk off the line and then I wait for the call from the girl that's sitting in seat two, Ali Bull, um, and for her to, at, at about the 150, for her to say, yep, that's basically what she says. And then I just start transitioning down in rating and just putting more power in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us yeah. more about the crew. So Ali Bull. So it, it's a bunch of girls that are legendary in surf life saving. And now what's so super exciting is a, a silver medal on the world stage. But uh, it's all systems go for Paris. That's what's so exciting about this crew. Tell us, apart from Ali, who else is on board? So we've got um, another Ali, that's going to confuse you, um, Alexandra Clark in seat three, um, and she's actually very new to the sport. It's actually so impressive that she's already where she is um, when she only really started kayaking last year or the year before um, during COVID. So, um, but she's just a natural athlete. Like she was, um, she's a very good competitor in the surf um, and she's very light and technically proficient and so she's she really adds a lot to the boat in seat three um and then Yale Steiner Price she's in seat four um she's one of my friends from back when we were at Junior Worlds back in 2015 when I first started paddling um so she's been around for a while like me but um she's just got so much power and strength and that's really that's really the role in seat four is to just hammer the hammer the power down and send us home <laughs> yeah like a v8 engine buttes i know you want to ask the next yeah. question but well one thing that uh like really stands out here is ella just mentioned that junior worlds in 2015 so we're talking seven years later mm-hmm. so you could say that ella's burst on the scene but this is almost a, a decade-long process to get to it this is. point yeah it certainly has been and there's no doubt about it you know what again it just continues to evolve this avoca north avoca 
precision. Uh, yeah. Uh, assembly line. Assembly line, that's it. The there's something line in of, the water. There is. And, you know, what we've seen Rolly Fitzgerald, <laughs> Lockie Thames, you name them. There's so many guys out there that are doing some amazing things. Fletcher Armstrong. Fletcher Armstrong. Dylan Littlehales. Correct. They're just, you keep rattling them off. The thing about it is, for me, um, one of the influences, and he's a bit of a legend around Evoca, is Richard Brighty. Tell us a bit about the influence that he had on you and your career. Um, Richard Brighty is the reason that I paddle today. Like, that's, that's the influence that he had on me. Um, he, when I joined uh, Evoca Surf Club, um, when I went down the beach from North Evoca Surf Club, he got me into ski paddling and I just loved it from the get-go. Uh, but I think I mostly just loved the banter and the, the people <laughs> and the, the fun. Um, but I really, I really connected with him and, um, I see him as one of the main reasons that I'm, that I got into kayaking. Uh, he would just keep telling me like, you have to go on the lake, you have to go on the lake. And as a kid growing up surfing and, um, just loving the ocean, like that's really my home. I was, I was like, I could just stay doing surf ski here, but he insisted. So I ended up, um, trying kayaking and I just loved it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to show my age here, but uh, I actually used to <laughs> used to race against him uh, back in the day. And oh wow, he's very he's very much a legend around Avoca. There's no he certainly is. Ella, what's your uh, what's your plans for the future? Where do we go to from here? Um, well, I moved to the Goldie at the start of the year, um, and so I've been loving living up there, and so I'll keep doing that and training up there with our awesome coach. Um, it's safe to say he's pretty awesome. Like uh, the result we got was the best that an Australian woman's career has ever gone in the K4 at World Champs. So um, we're very happy with that. Um, but, yeah, I'll just keep training hard and still doing um, surf ski with Evoca. Um, but I'm lucky enough that a few clubs up there are going to let me train with them So because um, I, I still firmly believe that I don't just want to kayak. Like I want to have that mental release. Um, and I want to be able to surf as well and um, do other things. So I, I would just try and keep a balanced life and keep loving it. Yeah, it sounds great. Is one of those my yeah. old surf club, Corumban, on the Gold Coast or, or maybe Burley where Michael King is? I haven't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Burley is one of them. I haven't talked to Corumban. They're a bit too south for me probably. But, yeah, um, no, no, God's country. <laughs> God's, <laughs> God's country around Palm Beach, Corumban. Uh, I'm glad you said about the K4 being the most accomplished women's crew. I mean, it was just amazing. And have you had the chance to watch the race again? Because I reckon at around about the halfway stage, around about the yeah. 250 mark, you guys were level with Poland. I, I could not believe how well you were going. Oh, I've watched it a few times as well. I'm not going to lie um, because I'm still like you. I'm still kind of, I can't believe it. Like I'm still in shock. And um, we really were like the underdogs because you can tell just from the commentary that we like they went over all the crews like on the start line and went into detail about how good they were and stuff and when they got to australia they just said oh then we've got australia and then they went to the, next, <laughs> the next crew um so they didn't really know what to say about us um and then even during the race they were, they were flashing to crews that weren't really super up there and we weren't really in on the screen much but then suddenly we were there um and yeah, I thought it was really cool. That uh, Poland had an absolutely amazing second half where they just pulled away from everyone. Uh, but we've been joking as a crew and saying that they won by so much that it almost feels like we won. Ella, can I ask you a question? Can I just ask a question on that? Is there anything you could have done, or do you think you felt you you guys could have done 
to get over the top of this Poland side, or they, or this team from uh, Poland, or are they just that convincing? I honestly think that um, on that day and this year, no, I think that they are by far the most um, standout crew. Um, they, they just, they, they just have it, and I think that we need to do a lot of work to be at that level. Um, and we just put together the best race we possibly could have as a crew, I think. Yeah, Ella, when I, when I spoke to Dylan Littlehales last week, apart from talking Maverick. to... Maverick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apart, <laughs> apart from talking to him about the aviators, yeah. which, which I love, uh, he's rocking the aviators. Uh, one thing yeah. we spoke about is the size of some of your competitors. Now, if you look at that Poland crew that you race against... I mean, is that something you guys have got to do is, like, really hit the gym and focus on big weights? Uh, I mean, how do you compete against that? I think it actually, I mean, you can, but I think it comes from, like, how you apply that strength. Like, you could look like the strongest girl ever. You could look like a bodybuilder, but if you're not applying that strength on the catch, then that's, you're not going to get that far. So it's, it's really about the work that you do. In last year's Australian surf ski final, were you in front and got absolutely annihilated by a big wave? I did, yeah. <laughs> um, I, but you know what? I just thought Richard Bridie, Dickie, he just he would just tell me just just send it, just go into it. You can't hold back, and that's what I did, and and I don't regret it because um, at the end of the day, surf is about waves and it's about enjoying it, and the result comes second, really. Yeah, I tell you, you, yeah. you have been a breath of fresh air on this sports show this morning. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I love the fact that there's a Central Coast girl sitting in the front seat of the K4 women's boat and they win a silver at the World Championships. Uh, I'm going up again. It's, a, it's another standing O. Yep. And I, I know North of Oka, they want to claim you as well because I think you're a superstar there as well. Is that correct? I think they can. I think they can because that's, that's my roots and I love everyone there. Yeah, well done. Congratulations. Yeah. I look forward to catching up in person sometime <laughs> soon uh, when you're back on the coast. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, guys. Ella Beer, World Championship silver medalist in kayaking. And you're exactly right, Buttes. Look at that Avoca Club. Uh, started with Lockie winning a bronze medal with Kenny Wallace in Rio and singing the horses on Channel 7. And then, of course, uh, Riley. What a moment that was. Oh, how good. Look, yeah. There's been so many great moments from, you know, the kids from Avoca and what they've managed to achieve. And Ella's just another one that just continues on this assembly line. And who's next? Time will tell. Yeah, and you know what? In terms of pound-for-pound pound athletes, it's got to be the greatest club in Australia oh, Well, I, I don't for know. what they produce. Like you said, there must be something in the water there at that lake. Absolutely. A uh, quick break here. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. We're back soon on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, the final break, Buttes. And by the way, if you missed any of the interviews today, so we've had a couple of cracking guests on, but you can find it all on the Catch-Up podcast on the SEN app. Just before we go, Butte, so I want to mention a couple of things. Brad Woodward, back from the Commonwealth Games, mm. and he swam in the duel in the pool at Sydney Olympic Park against the Americans. Now, he won in the mixed medley relay, and he teamed up. Zach Stubbledy Cook was in the team. Yep. He's been a world record holder. But he's in a team with Emma McKeon, the best Commonwealth Games athlete of all time, and Molly O, Molly yeah. O'Callaghan, the young gun, who's also an Olympic gold medalist. 
Woody must just be pinching himself. Oh, he must have been starstruck himself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he actually swam faster, not surprising, in this team, swam faster than what he swam to win a medal in yeah. Birmingham. This is what I love about, um, you know, those individual sports. When you get in that team environment, it just brings the best out in you. And, you know, Woody obviously proved that in the uh, duel in the pool and what a performance it was. Yeah, so he's my star of the week. Mm. And uh, Buttes, uh, what have been the highlights for you uh, throughout the show this morning? And also, what are you up to this weekend? Oh, my big weekend, just uh, heading up to Newcastle tomorrow to watch my son play soccer. He's been in outstanding form. In fact, he's had a really busy couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, tomorrow will be his sixth game in nine days that he's played soccer. Uh, and a shout-out to him because he's side Hunter Sports High School uh, competed in the Bill Turner Cup. They're now down to the four, uh, the final four teams in Australia, uh, and they take on Endeavour Sports High uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So outstanding performance, and the team played really well. So I'll be up there tomorrow checking him out. He's playing for the uh, Newcastle Jets, uh, and yeah, that's. Uh, I'm just looking to the footy, looking forward to the footy action. Of course, we've got the AFL next week. We've got the Rugby League heading into the uh, final round. I know you love the fact that this is. The penultimate round. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Bulldogs won't win the spoon in 2022. And our premiership window opens in 2023 and beyond. Butes, uh, I'm heading up to the Sundays. Oh, uh, sounds tough, mate. Sounds tough. 31st wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, met beautiful Sharon at Palm Beach Grumman High School back in 1986. Yeah. And uh, she surprised me with a, a little getaway up there. And it's been so cold here through the winter that... Can't wait to get up into the tropics and get the shirt off. Apparently, you've on a catamaran, is that correct? So, have yeah. you got the speedos pack? Yeah, yeah, budgie smugglers. I just, oh, love it, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll, love be, it. I'll be sunning myself up there and uh, really looking be. forward to it. Uh, you know, there's so many beautiful islands, and you can cruise around and find a secluded cove. Oh, well, I recognise you next week. Will you be all tanned up? <laughs> yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a wrap uh, for this edition of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it this morning. Like we said, the Catch-Up podcast is available on the SEN app. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on Saturdays on the Coast. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.